Hello, I'm Andrew. Hello, I'm Lisa. Welcome to episode 56 of... Round the Archives. Well, it's a new year, isn't it? It is. It's 2021. Gosh, I can't get my head around that. No, this, this feels weird. <laughs> <laughs> now, what's changed? Not much, really. Not really, no, no. We're still in lockdown, so... Yeah, so we're carrying on as yes. before. A couple of sort of housekeeping things, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're trying to do more in the gaming line as part of the round the archives franchise aren't we yes can you call it a franchise if we don't make any money on it <laughs> probably but but yeah warren and i are playing a lot of games online at yes. the moment and trying to broadcast it mm-hmm. so if you enjoy round the archives and would like to support us mm-hmm. uh, please follow us at twitch uh, where mm. our channel is Troby, named mm-hmm. after me, T-R-O-W-B-Y. Yes. Because I do it, you don't really do no, it. <laughs> no, I don't play games. I just tell you off when you go to places you shouldn't. <laughs> when, I, when, I, when I get attacked by the Predator. Yes. <laughs> I told you not to go there. Yeah, so we're playing a lot of Fortnite at the moment, but we've got some other games as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we, we, we're, we're trying to get 50 followers, and I've only got 13. Okay, so. little way to go then. So yeah, mm-hmm. any help greatly appreciated on that front. Mm-hmm. But to start the new year off, we're mixing things up a little, aren't we? Because mm-hmm. we've got Warren and Martin yes. teaming up. Yes. So it's like Holmes and Cummings, isn't yes. it? So they're going to look at the Basil Rathbone films of... Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> I really thought it'd be quite nice for us to do something for Toddle Bunch today. Oh, that's Dodgy Bunch. And uh, <laughs> it crossed my mind that they say you're a big fan oh. of the Sherlock Holmes films, the Basil, Rasbo- Basil Rathbone. Zazbone. Rasbone. Oh, Zazbones, yes. <laughs> Baz and Nige, as we call them, mainly because I can't pronounce the rest of it. You know. Oh. And I, I just thought, hey, we could do it. We could do an item on that. And, yes. And um, whether or not. I, see, I, I don't think Round the Archives necessarily needs to be just about telly, you know. Yes, certainly. You know, Philip Sinjin Basil Rathbone, eh? Mm. Give him his title. Sounds like he should be running the country. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about the Baz and Nige films for me is that I, I saw them on telly when I was growing up. So I thought, eh, you know, it's it's enough of a leap. Yeah. I, I think you might have seen them at the same time as me on BBC Two. Mm. On a Friday I think they used night. to put them on 
on well i think there was a, a couple of christmases where they put them on every day I'm yes, not entirely yeah. sure yeah that's a few but, years back i remember that i got quite excited about that my video oh, recorder was rattling away but the other thing about uh, those films is i personally think i mean some people really think they're cheesy and naff and horrible and rubbish and everything but i really think that they are the kind of template for sherlock the oh, modern oh absolutely and, uh, because and, they are in the main they are contemporary they're, they're you know they're made as contemporary visions of sherlock mm. from victorian times so um i suppose we should start off by looking at the two that aren't <laughs> oh the, the uh, 20th century fox ones yes the original pair the expensive ones the ones with the budget the ones with the money and the uh, one with that one with robin hood <laughs> yes which yes um which is interesting because um basil played guy gisborne didn't he Ah, he was a ooh. baddie, and he was yes. an ace swordsman, apparently. Oh, yes. Was, uh, young Mr. Rathbone. Yes. Some people are a bit dismissive of Nigel Bruce, but I actually think it, it, he's, it, we've been watching the films pretty much on a daily basis the last few days. Mm. Uh, I think Nigel Bruce is, is kind of charming and effortlessly wonderful as Watson. He, is, he gets a bad press, and mm. I don't think it's justified. And I think that little light relief is what you need with a heavy character playing next to mm. um, Holmes, because Holmes mm. is very emotionless, really, isn't he? Mm. Would you say he's... I mean, I, whether or not it's you know, the Holmes of the books is debatable in these films, mm. I think. It's, uh, yeah. you know. But I think it's 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 kind of the way people thought about him for 30-odd years. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Until Jeremy Brett, that was basically... Yes. People's vision of Sherlock Holmes, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the things like the Douglas Wilmer and the, the Peter Cushing things hadn't been repeated, so they, they disappeared out of the psyche of uh, the viewing public. And, of course, Basil Rathbone and Nigel Bruce were constantly being rolled out, either on a late-night basis or um, sort of on BBC Two type um, times. And you would, it sort of plants itself, doesn't it? And we're from that generation where we, we take a lot away at that particular point in our lives. Mm. And for me, I'm sorry, Sherlock Holmes is Basil Rathbone. Mm. And that will cause a lot of bother, I know. And Jeremy, <laughs> but, but you've got to look in the uh, context of a performance. But that Rathbone yeah. could easily walk into a Brett mm. and they would... They would marvellously outact each other. Mm. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. I would love that. That's a wonderful <laughs> thing. And as you say, it, it is the seed. It's it's the seed that Moffat had for um, Sherlock, and uh, he grew up watching those films. I also like, like the fact, and, and if you watch the films collectively, I, I like the fact that they've got this little rep company going on. Oh, it's beautiful, isn't it? You and know, you... It, I, did you ever used to watch Nero Wolf, the Nero Wolf series? No, no. It's the so, the, uh, the one with Timothy Hutton. Oh. They did the same thing, and it was kind of the same actors turned up playing different parts in in all the episodes, mm -hmm. and it's quite a nice way of doing it, you know. So one week they're the judge, one week they're the villain, one week, you know. So so you get is it Gerald Gerard Gerard Hamer Gerald Gerald Hamer? Oh yes, yeah. As, uh, who's the he's the evil postman in one of them? <laughs> oh, that uh, Scarlet Claw, yes. Yeah, I quite that's one of my favourites is Scarlet mm. Claw. And it's weird, isn't it? Because it, nothing stays in Britain very long. Mm. Um, because Scarlet Claw is French Quebec. Sherlock Holmes in Washington. Oh, Lord. <laughs> well, that's basically just elementary. Yes, it is, isn't it? 
sort of 50 years earlier. We're coming to the States. I know, we'll bone him in a bomber and we'll fly him over to Washington. Let's pretend we're in that sort of strange view of London that America has. Oh, no, let's not bother anymore. Let's just go to America. That's the thing, isn't it? Even to the opening credits, isn't it, where you have the slide of them walking through the fog, old Victorian Mm. fog. It's it's that impression that the Americans have of, of Britain. And you make them wonder what they thought uh, modern Britain at that time was like, isn't it? Oh, yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I was talking online the other day about the, the fish and chip shop scene in um, <laughs> Pursuit to Algiers. It starts off in this uh, kind of <laughs> chip shop scene where they're all going, hey, blah, 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 chips, chips, and it's, it's the most lavish extent. Have you ever been in a chippy? <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's like somebody's turned a, an old English coaching in into a chip shop. Yeah. And they're giving that menu, aren't they? Oh, absolutely. Yes. And there's that. And there's that oh, the, the, everyone's called Ducky in that one. Oh. <laughs> you see, the other thing about it is, is if you if you watch them carefully, you know that street that's also in Frankenstein. Oh yes, <laughs> with yes. the arch at the end of the road, because it's the it's the universal back lot for everything. Isn't oh, it? Let's be absolutely. Honest. These are um, these are you... no budget thrillers. They are just. <laughs> and so should we start at the beginning? You start yeah. with The Hound of the Baskervilles, which is a big budget film made in, what, 1939? 39, that was the first one made by 20th Century Fox. Marvellous, Proper running film. time, proper budget, proper sets, although everyone's running around on a on basically time flight. <laughs> it's not that cheap. No, it's not that small, is it? No, it's, it's a bit bigger, it's a bit bigger. <laughs> the, 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 to be honest, the, the the only way that falls down is when we come to the marsh scenes, isn't it? It, it mm. is a little claustrophobic, but mm. it has, as you say, it has money thrown into it. That one, mm. and um, and it was going to be um, uh, the beginning of a series. Mm. It, this could be very different because mm. 20th Century Fox um, had the rights to make two films, and then mm. they uh, the the rights were um, uh, evaporated mm. and so they tried to negotiate with Conan Doyle's estate yes and um, I believe his sons asked for a heck of a lot of money <laughs> and <laughs> they, they went, will no we can't we can't break even in making these films no and so along came Universal and they offered the money and Universal mm. got the uh, got the rights to make the films mm. but there was caveats with that as well and that, that was the other thing that Conan Doyle uh, State said you can make up to three films a year, but two of them must be based. Mm. At least two of them must be based upon the works of Conan mm. Doyle. At least vaguely. Vaguely. <laughs> so that's why uh, sometimes you'll have a slide come up in the uh, Universal ones based mm. on the on the mm. book of the Napoleons, the Orange mm. Pips, and mm. things like that. And it will have absolutely nothing to do with the content of the book whatsoever. No, but there are some pips in it. There's some pips in it, yes. <laughs> I mean, one of my favourites, though, is, is The Adventures. The Adventures. That's a rip-roaring, isn't it? That is that is my... Out of those two films, that is my favourite. And it's, mm. it's a wonderful. And it goes off at a heck of a pace. And it does have a Captain Mannering and a Sergeant Wilson in it, which always yes! makes me chuckle. <laughs> There is unintentional humour there. It's, it's brilliant. <laughs> so uh, this is this is Moriarty George Zucco. 
Very good Moriarty. I found him very chilly. Trying to steal the crown Trying jewels. Trying to steal the crown jewels. Get your hands off me scepter, mate. And, and dying again. Oh, yes. Another dead Moriarty. How many dead Moriartys do we oh, get throughout this? He dies it's at the end of this. Um, is it Woman in Black, where he jumps across the um, the, the, the parapet and grabs hold of a, a dodgy um, drain pipe and falls off. There's another falling to his death. I think, she, I think she's the woman in green. Oh, woman in green, uh, woman in black. But it might sorry. be black and white on your television so that's that's, oh. that's allowable the woman in in a, in a shade of grey <laughs> there's another thing to bring up because the, the films I know we're going all over the place here but the films were colourised mm. some of them in 2006 and I don't know how you feel about that but I'm not a great fan of colourisation I'm not a huge fan of colourising generally but that's again I'm an old fart for things like that I mean no, it's, yeah. it's not uh, you know it, it's just something I don't particularly enjoy but I know I understand the kids all mm. that kind of thing so if you take something like The Adventures of Sherlock Mm. So what was the, the seed that got you interested in that particular one? I don't know really. I just, I, again, I suspect it's the fact that when you sit down to watch it, you know, you just think, oh, bloody hell, this is just a very good Sherlock Holmes film. You mm. know? I mean, I, I enjoy, you know, I enjoy the Christopher Plummer ones. I enjoy, you know, I enjoy the yeah. whole sort of thing. And But because it's got a bit more money and a bit of a longer running time and a little bit more complicated plot, I just think it's one you can wallow in and it does have all the Victorian trappings and all that. It feels authentic, even though it's completely, pretty much, I don't think there's much that's actually from, is that the one that's based on the stage play? It is. It's, it's the Gillette, oh, Gillette mm. William Gillette stage play. Because that was a mixture, the stage play was a mixture of Scandal and Bohemia, The Final Problem and Study in Scarlet. Mm. I mean, that was a play of four acts. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's very much, very much that case. And it starts with the opening, doesn't it, with Moriarty's on trial. Mm. And he's found not guilty. And, and of course, we didn't have double jeopardy then. No. So um, he's, he's free to go. Giving him a bung. Yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> off he goes to criticise his butler for not watering his plants. <laughs> and you ought to flog him and then you know yes. that's the baddie he's going to oh, flog his butler yeah. hey, if you're going to flog your butler if you're going to flog your little man <laughs> <laughs> oh dear but Basil Basil's brilliant Basil mm. has so much gravitas and I think that comes very much from his, his classical acting style hasn't it because oh, he's is that the one that finishes with Watson the Needle or is that the other one uh, yes Yes. No, because I what I tend to find with yes. these is there are moments in all of them, and I I by kind of have to remember. I think, oh yes, there's the one where he's he's tied up behind the Hitler portrait in the shooting. Oh, the ground. very bad Hitler, yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's gallery. the there's the one where he's they they put the paint pot on the back to leave a trail, and I can never remember quite which is which. And when I've been sort of talking about these, you're 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 razor sharp on the. You know which one is which, don't you? You know you know them that well. Uh, it's it, it's a misspent youth. It's absolutely <laughs> misspent youth. Um, I've, been, I've been waiting days for the one with the chippy to turn up, so I was, I was quite pleased when that finally turned up. Have we had the one with the uh, very bad... Re- the majority there's, Watson, there's Watson singing on the ship. That's quite fun. Oh, gosh, that? no, yes. Uh, when it's not doing his body-body banks of, you know, and it's, <laughs> and I, I think that's massively dubbed. <laughs> which, which is strange, because Nigel Bruce is Scottish. Hmm. Well, maybe it isn't. Maybe it's him singing. I mean, it's well, Perhaps it was dubbed afterwards. Hmm. There's a terrible American singer trying to do a British accent and I cannot remember now what the life of me she was singing oh is that is that in the um who rain up she that's the one I keep waiting yes the the, the, the who rain up she rises or, yes. or, or whatever <laughs> and of course you do but the other thing is you get in in, in the adventures you get Baz doing his, oh, his musicals absolutely stick. yes straight his, his, his good musical. old days bit <laughs> 
I think he absolutely nails that episode doing that piece there. And he comes on, and it's pure musical, isn't it? Yeah. Without and, a shadow and, of a doubt. And he suddenly looks about eight feet tall. I know. I don't know what they've done to him there. The stripes make him look huge. And yeah. his cod moustache and um, it's straw boater. So we move on to uh, the universal contemporary version. So so he changes his hat and they actually make a point of him not picking up his dear stalk. Yes, because <laughs> Watson says to him, his trilby or fedora or whatever Which it is. is quite a nice reversal because mm. in Sherlock, Watson's always telling him to put on his, his deer stalker, isn't he, mm. for, the, for the public gaze. But it's this, that you are now in modern times. And of course, yeah. this is Britain in the war, isn't it? This is, uh, so we actually get a couple of wartime Nazi adventures. Oh yes, voice of <laughs> with, terror. With, secret with evil Nazis. Nazis, yes. <laughs> voice of Terror and the Secret Weapon. Um, voice of Terror is uh, quite an odd one because that that opens that opens the new films, and they have because uh, Basil was not too happy about putting them in the uh, modern right. So they said, "Oh no, we'll get through that. Don't worry, we're explaining." He says, "Well, where's the scene that explains it?" Oh, don't worry about it. And they show a slide for thirty seconds, yes. but basically, the says, immortal Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> yes, he's timeless. Which actually is a quite, I know it's a cheap get out, but it's a very nice ploy. It is. He is timeless. You can pick up a book, a book from a bookstall since they've been published so long ago and read mm. it at any time, can't you? Oh, yeah. And the fact that they've made it, uh, like say, they've made series like Elementary, they've made series like mm. Sherlock in the modern era, proves that they were actually onto something back Absolutely. then. Absolutely. Know? And, and of it, course, there were a lot of people who believed he was a real person anyway, weren't there? They were still getting letters at the uh, the old building society. <laughs> oh, gosh, yes. The, the, I, I was looking on the internet earlier today, and uh, there's questions uh, about Basil Rathbone, and there's a big question uh, forum there. Is Sherlock Holmes real? <laughs> and there's some wonderful... Well, my, my uncle Sherlock would tell you he was, yeah. <laughs> And you have the wonderful, bonkers conspiracy theorists on there, and it's absolutely fantastic. Oh, right. I love things like that, because it's... And this is the thing, to create such a character that in people's psyche that this person is real, hits mm. must hit something rather hard mm. in, in the head to go, well, actually, is this, mm. is, is this possible? Yeah. Because he is a timeless entity. But this, this series particularly is very much... It's a bit like weekly television isn't it i mean the stories yes. are quite straightforward yeah. the, the running times are about an hour more or less mm -hmm. you know so it actually feels just like when you show them back to back it's just like what binge watching a tv series really <laughs> absolutely it's, it's like watching a tv movie isn't it mm. it's uh, uh, and the concept that universal were doing were to produce a cheap film they could double bill against something mm. and it is deliberately designed to be a b movie mm. but it doesn't end up being a b movie in my eyes i think it ends up being quite wonderful because you have Basil starts off very clean cut, doesn't he, in the first mm. first two films, mm. and then you you sort of move on from Voice of which Terror. is the one where his hair gets combed for. Yes, it's the Bohemian way. He starts <laughs> that that was his idea. Ah, didn't he, last, did it? Didn't take. <laughs> no, um, they went into um, dressing room and he was doing makeup, and he says, "I'm not having my hair tidy. I'm Bohemian character." 
Mm. Um, he, he's not going to take much interest in his appearance. Mm. So I'm sorry, I'm messing my hair up. So yes, for about a couple of films, he had that and was told to rein it in a bit because it, um, they didn't quite appreciate that. Just a hint of the Billy Hartnells there. Oh, say? absolutely. <laughs> but you, you must remember at this time as well, um, as much as Bar- Basil says towards the uh, end of his life that he, he was pigeonholed playing this part mm. and everybody saw him as Sherlock, he wasn't mm. just in the films because he was in the radio show as well. Mm, that's true, yes. And that the radio show ran alongside the films. And that's something that never came to um, never came over here. Mm. Uh, I've been listening to a couple quite recently and they're not too bad. And, and mm. they've got uh, Rathbone, and they've got Bruce and they've got his wonderful housekeeper, uh, Mary Gordon. Right. So it's, it's basically Big Finish 1942. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. <laughs> With the Daleks in the background. Well, we like we like Mrs. Hudson, though we do like we Mrs. Love Hudson. Mrs. Hudson. I mean, and and they, I, I notice they keep trying to build up a part. <laughs> yes, it's like because she just. I mean, she's doing a bit of, of like Q in the Bond film. She turns up, does a scene, books, <laughs> gets off till the next in a whole load of films. She, she made over three hundred films in her life, Tricky. and she never played a leading part. Right, she was always the person that yeah, almost the uh, Pat Gorman, if you like, of coming on and doing Sherlock Holmes. But she did yeah, yeah over three hundred films. It's quite amazing. She's uh, she was born in Scotland. In fact, most of the main characters, because mm. I uh, when I first saw the films, I didn't believe that Dennis Hoey oh. was British. Who, who is worth a mention? Absolutely. Yes. Oh, strike me pink. <laughs> love a duck. I love it when he says that. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. Love a we, duck. We were watching the one last night uh, where he wasn't available. Which was... one was that? Which was uh, Woman in Green. Mm-hmm. And Woman in Green is very much a tonal shift from Pursuit to Algiers. Yes. Pursuit yes. to Algiers is a, is a jolly romp, really. And then suddenly, the I, I noticed with Woman in Green specifically, is you get this... It starts with a very dry voiceover in the, in, in the police. It's almost... It's like a proto-Dixon yes. in, in many ways. Well, they go to Scotland Yard. Then. Yes, and, yeah. and, and, and this tiny man who's the chief of police walks. <laughs> yes. And, and then starts the, pointing at a map that's far, far above his head. And they may as well with be a pointer. shove halfpenny. <laughs> it's what it says. <laughs> We're good about doing. And, and that we get Inspector Gregson for the duration. So. Absolutely, that's the that's the finger murders. Mm, that's yeah. right. That was um, that's uh, and it's followed by a series of um, clips of hilarious dummies being thrown out of windows <laughs> at great heights. <laughs> But this is it. There are brilliant moments throughout the series. There are brilliant Absolutely. moments. I mean, I think I was thinking back to the Pearl of Death. You've got the Pearl of Death, and you've got uh, the Creeper. Oh, you've got yes. the great Rondo Hatton, who my generation all learned about from Judge Dredd comics. Mm-hmm. But but Rondo Hatton was 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 it theoretically he played lots of monsters because he didn't need makeup because he had this, this he, he very distinctive face. He, he wasn't gifted in the uh, the looks department. department. Yeah. Yes, mm. but, yes. But, uh, he's, he's quite creeper, scary, isn't he? I I feel the creeper is one of those those images that sort of really comes out of it. You know, you've got a seri- you've got an episode like um, Sherlock Holmes faces death. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you kind of think, doesn't he do that in all of them? You know? yeah, exactly. Is that, is that the one where his blood is dripping away? Oh, gosh, yes. What You'll slowly die. You'll I shall extract die. all You're... your blood slowly. Why don't you just shoot him? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it's the other thing. I, I'm a sadistic baddie, so I'm going to do something to be really slow and painful for you that's going yeah. to take hours. However, you could be rescued in that time. Well, there are lovely things like everybody, all the villains always refer to as Mr. Sherlock Holmes. Mr. Yes. Sherlock Holmes. Call which is like me, Gav. <laughs> nobody. Oh, yes. You may think you're better than me, but I mean, you should. There's those exchanges where they actually. It, it's, it's been satirized so beautifully since, but there's these exchanges where the villain and them have a battle of intellects. <laughs> I actually, there's a wonderful run. They are, I mean, I, we can't really talk about all of them, but they are absolutely fabulous. Uh, it's a wonderful series of, of films. And I just, I just think, yeah, I, I'm so grateful that we got to watch them. Absolutely. Because these films um, may not be about. If it wasn't for the Restoration Society that worked on them in early um, 2000s, these, mm. these films won't exist because they were basically killing themselves in their own nitrate in, the, in their mm. tins. And get this, if listeners, Hugh Hefner, big fan of Basil Rathbone and Sherlock Holmes, put mm. a lot of money into having them restored. Oh, so right. it's to Hugh Hefner that we should thank, really. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, <laughs> Which Hugh. Which is not what you expect. <laughs> Thank you, Hugh, for for all you did. (laughs) There's been some very weird fans of Sherlock Holmes. Mm. Um, Hitler was a great fan of Sherlock Holmes. Not the Rathbone films, obviously, but um, he was was a great... He had, um, in the bunker, they found a very worn film of... um, the German version of Hand of the Vaskervilles. Right. And it's one of his favourite films. Okay. That's yeah. kind of weird. Is that, is, is that actually now preserved for the nation because it, it was in Hitler's bunker? <laughs> yes, it is. Is that the only reason we still have a copy? <laughs> That's the only reason. And they found a couple of um, episodes of Evil of the Daleks in Eva Braun's <laughs> chest or something. <laughs> oh, if only Hitler had been 20 years... No, 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 no. No, no let's not go there. <laughs> You've got a stalwart cast in these films. Mm. We have a nice, gentle... I think it's gentle charm of Nigel Bruce doing the ham. Mm. But he's not too ham. Mm. He can be very... He can be very... He's the passionate person. He's oh, the, yes. He, he he's, I mean, he's always got an eye for the ladies. Yes. And he does that wonderful duck impression, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Which he does in nearly every film he's in. <laughs> I've seen about four or five films he's in, and he does that blasted duck impression for children. <laughs> what would you say is your favourite moment of the whole whole oh, series? Then I have to say it's that last last few lines from Holmes. Oh yes, when he, when he suddenly looks at the horizon and does, yes. a, does a, a spontaneous the, speech based on the words of Mister Churchill. Yes, the voice of terror. That is that strikes home that this is. Um, would Holmes use the words of Churchill? Or would Churchill use the words of Holmes? Mm. And it's pure propaganda, and yes. that's how it should be viewed. But I just think it's a wonderful mixture because the the two transcend each other wonderfully well. I really do. And of course, the, the the series of films actually pretty much run in parallel with the Second World War, don't they? You yeah. get to the point in the 1945 ones where the war is in Europe is effectively over. Yeah. So they've, they, you know, you suddenly get back to London is more back to normal, except for the massive American cars turning the odd corner. But, <laughs> oh, and but, you notice some of the cars' steering wheels are on side the road. But you ignore, <laughs> but you ignore things like that. But your mind yeah. tells you the buildings are wrong, the architecture is wrong. However... The it's an idea of London, English isn't it? or cod English accents, yeah. but you buy into it. It's it's mm. a wonderful world to buy into, mm. but unfortunately, by the end of 
45 into 46. Uh, I mean, the, the last two films are very lacklustre. And um, didn't dress, uh, didn't dress to Kill finishes on a very low note, unfortunately. Yeah, didn't the was it William Roy Neal or didn't he die or something and he didn't direct the last one or is that the only one he didn't direct the very last one? I think it was one of the very last ones that he did. Yeah, yeah. and the the um, Basil had really lost. He did a Connery. <laughs> I'm not doing anymore, and they couldn't find a lazen beast. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And it, it was quite sad. I mean, the radio play still went on for another year and he was replaced. Mm. And I can't remember who the devil he was replaced yeah. by now. <laughs> so I can't I can't quite remember who, who he was replaced by, but the, the radio plays went on. Mm. And, um, and then I think Basil's career didn't really hit a height again. No. Since since the, the Holmes films, are... but I think the there is a, the fact that Americans still love Sherlock Holmes as a character is probably down to this film series as much as anything. Absolutely, and I think Absolutely. my own love for the character probably came from those showings on BBC Two when I was a kid. It really did sort of excite people. It's they're exciting little films. You know, they they may now look a bit cheesy to some people, but they are brilliantly structured and beautifully put together and you know they just they are a good homage to the character I think and you Absolutely. know the use we should be grateful of, they were on really the use of that lighting and the use of black and white mm. and the shadow some of some of those camera angles are absolutely and settings are absolutely fantastic to, mm. to create that atmosphere of menace Mm. And I don't think colour does that. Colour does not do that at all. Oh, yes. Do you think you might have had a slight dream that that Hitchcock might have picked up the camera and done a Sherlock Holmes film? A couple of them, yeah. A a, a couple of times you'll look at it and go, wow. There's an influence there. Yeah, Yeah. but yet you may cut to a next Mm. scene and then you're you could be reminded that this is a low-budget film. But it didn't matter that it was a low-budget film. And they are very much in the tradition of film noir as well, as well, you know, as, as, well as, yes. as things like uh, Fritz Lang, you know, oh, the German cinema. There's a lot yes. of expressionist stuff going on in there. So it's mm. I, I think they're a lot better than people give them credit for. To be honest. Absolutely. I, I, they should never be overlooked. They should absolutely never be overlooked. They should be always viewed. Uh, I'll go with... I'll go with The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes being my most favourite. Mm-hmm. Probably followed by House of Fear. That's ah! A, that's an odd one, isn't it? Yes. Yes. House of Fear. Is that, is that the one... With the soldiers, that, yeah. Recovering yeah. in the... Uh... Is that the one based on the Musgrave ritual? Is that yes. One? Yes. With, with, the, with the strange wristwatch in the clock tower. <laughs> yes! <laughs> yes. The, the model work is sometimes a little bit suspect, it's true. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I do. Yeah, it's uh, yes. Mus- it is basically the Musgrave ritual. Ah, sort of no, it's not. Name. Sorry, no, that one's not the Musgrave ritual. Oh. No, sorry, it's the orange pips. Ah, it's the uh, people who have. Uh, it's the rich people that live in that Scottish castle, isn't it? Right. Some of them can seem a little samey. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> that's where they all had the uh, insurance policy, didn't they? Oh yes. So it's not so it's not the one set in the um the, the 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 home for recovering soldiers, where the one who has the strange on and off smile. Oh, he has the nervous tick. Yes. Who then who then turns up? Work, who then turns up as a a villain in the next one? <clears throat> and you think, oh, he survived. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we go through about three different Moriartys, don't we? Oh yes, at the very least, yes. Which and is... then there's um, what gets me is that is that Stapleton, who who has his strange mirrored shot for his eyes. Oh yes, yes. In in Hound of the Baskervilles, then Stapleton turns up as the Crown Prince of wherever. 
I'm going, oh, it's Stapleton. Oh, he, oh, he didn't drown in Grimpenmeyer after all. <laughs> and this is the, this is the wonderful thing about uh, an ensemble cast like this. It's it is uh, right. Which play are we doing next week? Yeah. It is very much like that. And I think you get quite comfortable with the characters. But I just love, love spotting them turn up again, you know. It's like, oh, here we go. It's, it is, it is, it's, it's, yeah, I like that. I like that. I don't know why. I, it, you know, I, I think we're just big fans of rep. I mean, it's a bit confusing yeah. if you were fans of growing up watching The Master because you would think, oh, it's just the same bloke come back from the dead. But <laughs> it is just Stapleton, you know, the six Stapletons. But, uh... And the, the, my favourite, my favourite uh, occasional character is the chap who played the butler in Scarlet Claw. Right. Who's waiting uh, at the pub for the bus. Sorry, the tavern <laughs> for the bus. Hoots is Hooter, not Honks is Hooter. He turns up in nearly every one of the films, but he right. never plays a major part in them. Uh, he's always sort of in the background. And he always seems to sort of play either an official role or mm. he's pleased to play a servant of some kind. Mm. He's he's a wonderful character. There is a there is a thing about in the uh, in the forties that was very much the the English actors in Hollywood had a kind of cricket club. Yes, they did. Yes. So I, I think they all kind of knew each other. So this was probably just a, a jolly outing for them. All. <laughs> Let's all make a film. <laughs> I'm so glad you reminded me because there was a question I wanted to ask you. Oh right. Do you think Basil Rathbone influenced David Niven? <laughs> And I only say that because they are so similar. I suppose. And they used to yeah. play for that cricket team. I, th- I suspect there's a lot, a, a certain amount of actors probably actually saw themselves in the mirror and thought, I could play those kind of roles. Yeah. The interesting thing to me about watching these again is I can never quite work out where the idea that the pencil moustache was a good thing came from. Mm-hmm. I, I, it's just that you, you get in the, in the uh, 30s and 40s, you get William Powell, you get Clark Gable, you get yeah. David Niven. And, the, and you see quite a lot of characters who are supposed to be suave and sophisticated and they all have the pencil moustache. And I, I, it must have been a bugger to get one sorted. I don't know. I, but, I couldn't. No, I, I'd have to have a big bushy James. <laughs> I couldn't. How do you maintain a pencil moustache? But, but they were the height of sophistication, and so maybe I mean because obviously Basil didn't have one. That's the point. He had one in some films, but he didn't have one in you know in the Sherlock Holmes films. No. But apart from that, I think basically David Niven thought if I grew a pencil moustache <laughs> and played it like Basil Rathbone, Absolutely. I could have a career. I think I, I think you're bang on the money there. Similar but different. I find them sinister. <laughs> I find pencil moustaches very sinister. Mm. It's not quite right. It's not a real moustache, is it? It's it's an afterthought. <laughs> it is. It's the lady killer look, isn't it? I'm the cad. We're all very grateful that the uh, the toothbrush moustache didn't take off. <laughs> <laughs> the electric toothbrush moustache. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think we've got enough there. Yes. <laughs> we'll we'll make something out of that. It, Thank you, I, it's been lovely to talk to you about the uh, Basil Rathbone, Nigel Bruce, Sherlock Holmes film to go through them again today. And likewise, and, um, it's beautiful. It's beautiful to talk to somebody who appreciates them as well. And you never know, we might try another one of these another time. Ooh, I hope so. There's an east wind coming, Watson. No, I don't think so. Looks like another warm day. Good old Watson. The one fixed point in a changing age. There's an east wind coming all the same. Such a wind has never blew on England yet. It will be cold and bitter, Watson. And a good many of us may wither before its blast. But it's God's own wind nonetheless.
and a greener, better, stronger land will lie in the sunshine when the storm is cleared. Many thanks to Martin and Warren for that. Yes, thank you, boys. And don't forget to tune in to Martin's show of a Sunday evening. Yes, Vision on Sound. Yeah. On a Fab Radio International. And you were on it recently I with was. a big interview, weren't I you? I was, yeah. Extra around the archives material, yes. so yes, be, yeah. sh- be sure to seek that out. Yes, and it's Channel One, if Indeed. you go on there. Yes. yes, I know that. Right, I've, we always sort of say that uh, around the archives has got a bit of a family feel, don't mm-hmm. we? So we're going to take that literally this time. Yes. As Paul and his mum discuss... Neighbours. Neighbours. Everybody needs good neighbours With a little understanding You can find the perfect place Neighbours should be there for one another that's when good neighbors become friends. Hello, Round the Archives people. It's me, Paul. I'm um, I'm here with a very special guest. It's my mum. Hi, mum. Hi. How are you today? Oh, I'm all right, thank you. Now, I just want to introduce you to the Round the Archives listeners. They're, they're very interested in TV, and I wanted to talk to you about a TV show that you've been watching pretty much from the beginning, on and off, for the last 35 years. It's a, it's a show that I used to watch when it, well, in the early days as well, and didn't watch for many years, but, but then started to about six, seven years ago. But uh, I'm talking about Neighbours, of course. Did, do you remember watching it in the very early days? Like before, it was popular even. Yes, I do. Um, bits and pieces. I I actually watched, started watching it and stayed with it because I, the soaps at that time, like Coronation Street, it was all dreary streets and, and poor houses, whereas the neighbours had, had beautiful houses and, and gardens and spacious but they never had dishwashers because they were always they were always doing the washing up when <laughs> things were taking place in the uh, in the conversations. Yeah, um, because I think we got it a year or two later than it started in Australia, but um, I think it was possibly only on during uh, the very beginning, just at lunch, like a lunchtime thing, and which um, was. was probably why you were able to watch it because my brother graham was pretty small probably still when it was when it first started yes but it started on bbc didn't it mm, yeah it's yes. only been a relatively short time how long has it been well it's been longer than you think probably it's probably over 10 years now because i've been watching for again for nearly 10 years but um uh yeah because it uh, I know in Australia it, it was on one channel and, and lasted for about a year and then and then it got, uh, well, it was in danger of being axed but then it got picked up by another channel and um, some of the cast changed because um, I know that Scott Robinson, the character that Jason Donovan played, was played by somebody else in the the early episodes and, and that's one of my first mem- memories of, of Neighbours is that I was watching it and I wasn't used to, I wasn't really used to soap operas, but 
somehow I knew I maybe had seen the old Scott very briefly and then this new Scott walked in and I thought why is he trying to pretend to be uh, to be Scott that you know they're gonna they're, they're gonna know it's him immediately as soon as he uh, I, I didn't really understand that he'd been recast because the only thing I knew about things that were recasting with Doctor Who and he certainly hadn't regenerated but uh, but then they they did they did regenerate some of the other they Lucy Robinson regenerated at least twice the Scott and Charlene story I can remember that I think that lasted quite a long time didn't yes, it yes yeah and and um it, I, I was saying when, when I talked about neighbors with with Nick um recently that um it, because we were behind on it Kylie and Jason had already left the show and were starting to have music success quite soon after. So the, the, the two things, they were appearing on Neighbours every day, filmed 15, 18 months before, but they were top of the charts and all sort of... So, so it, it did them a good favour because both things were lined up. You know, the, the acting and the singing at the same time were both successful. Um, what, uh, um, what is it about Neighbours? I mean... So many of them seem to have gone, well, not hundreds, but quite a few seem to have gone on to have had musical careers. I mean, is that true of other soaps in in Australia? Is it a springboard to um, not, success in the charts? I don't know, because not previously. I mean, no, no, um, none of the Australian soaps before Neighbours had lasted uh, uh, like, like anywhere near as long as this. Sons and Daughters, the one I like, had lasted about five or six years. Prisoner of Cell Block H, about the same amount of time. And uh, a lot of those soaps had lasted that sort of you know, time. Young Doctors and um, the Sullivans, they'd all lasted you know, less than 10 years. But then um, it must be just something in the way that they make the show that they kind of decided, well, look at Britain, they've got Coronation Street that's lasted for years, or even EastEnders has lasted for years. And um, maybe they thought we want something like that. That's, I mean, it's often been said. I've or I've heard it said that Neighbours and Home and Away only really continue partly because of the support of of the British fans. Although now it's on Channel Five, it's a lot more of a minority show. It used to be sort of up there with as many ratings as Coronation Street back in the late eighties and into the nineties, but. Now, I, th- I would think it's probably one of the lowest rated ones because it's on Channel 5 and a lot of people don't realise it's still on, but the people who do watch it do, do enjoy it. Um, yeah, uh, how, how long has Home and Away been going? O- only a couple of years less. I think that started about yes. 89, so so maybe it's... Are you watching that? Yeah, I did watch that. And also, you, you used to, to video Home and Away for me when I lived somewhere without a TV... Uh, you know, because I watched Neighbours and Home and Away probably until I went to university. Then I didn't really have TV or all the time to to watch it. But then after university, I, I was living without sort of TV reception. And I think I asked you to video a few things. I don't know why. I just I must have heard that there was a plot line in Home and Away that was interesting. Because I didn't ask you to do Neighbours, even though you know I still think that I probably was more interested in neighbors than home and away uh, like when I was still at home I and I used to have sticker books and um cards and things that you could uh, you, you go into the news agents and you get like I don't know te- you pay a pound and get I'm not sure how many were in the pack but five or ten or and then you'd trade them with other people who had them and yeah it's uh, like uh, old cigarette cards <clears throat> yeah sort of but yeah did, I still 
I still have some of those as well. Not, not the stickers, but the cards. I found some of them the last time I went back home and, uh, and, brought, and brought them back with me. But uh, Did uh, BBC just end the contract with Neighbours because they were going to do, try El Dorado? El Dorado? No, because they kept. No, because they kept. They did because they did it for. They they kept they kept um, neighbours on when El Dorado was on. Of course, El Dorado only lasted about a year. No, because oh. they didn't sell it over to Channel Five until much more recently. But I think what they did is just thought that they were. I think what happened was that they didn't when it when it when they came to bid bid for it at that particular time. They probably just thought. I don't know how many ratings it was getting around the time they stopped showing on BBC One, but. They probably didn't bid high enough, and then and Channel Five, because Home and Away obviously is on Channel Five now, and that used to be on ITV, so it must have must have all come up around the same time, and Channel Five sort of grabbed them both. Stepped uh, in, yeah. 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 Um, but for many years, obviously, I, I didn't watch, and but you you continued to watch on and off, I believe. Yes, um, I I remember the Robinson family, and I remember bits and pieces. But the trouble is, it's it's disjointed. I don't really get a yeah. can't tell a, a full storyline. You had you had grandma- some of them. Yeah, back it, it would come back to me. But, but I mean, it's it's a long time, and they there's been a lot of characters. And I mean, for example, Paul Robinson with what is it, five wives? Yeah, well, that's what children. That was one of my favourite things more recently when his when all his wives turned up. Um, uh, that was that was that was very exciting, <laughs> um, but but also you had grandma duties during the the mid noughties so that must uh, make right, it. A I, bit, I, I wouldn't have seen anything yeah. then then at all. But, um, but but then I started. I knew you still sort of watched it, um, and then I was sort of aware that various different people from from Prisoner and Sons and Daughters were making cameos, and I started watching about eight years ago and uh, although it was difficult to find a, a sort of routine whether I was going to watch it online or like on the website or whether I was because I don't think I had Sky to start with so I didn't have like a catch-up system but anyway uh, one way or another I've, I've watched it for probably far longer now than I watched it back in the 80s and early 90s but you, you and I sort of have chats about it don't we we sort of compare notes about what's going on um, yeah and they've always had a whether they've done it on purpose they seem to have tried to have, well that they have visits to, to various characters go off to america but apart from that they have actually have quite a few traveling from australia to england yeah. and actually film them yes. in england as well in london they yeah. they did um one time i remember um, so that they sort of try and keep a bit of connection going, uh, and the, and they are very good at bringing back in the time that I've been watching it, bringing back old characters from the time, like uh, obviously Paul was did go away for a bit, but then came back, um, and, and and has probably been back for about eighteen years or so now. But uh, um, but there were you know other other people and Jane and Clive and. Um, the the Christmas episode that I spoke about recently, where Jim turned up in a bauble, that was very exciting. <laughs> Even though it was only a little cameo, and completely ridiculous. Uh, uh, yeah, I was only considering the other day, particularly with with 
programs like Coronation Street, which were on what five times a week, and EastEnders, mm-hmm. those characters, they can't ever play in anything else, can they? Their mm-hmm. job is to be a character in that soap because pretty it's pretty much. well a full-time occupation yeah. when you're on every week weekday yeah. for, for the year, isn't it? Yeah. Or do they manage to fit other? Well, they probably have, yeah. I mean, I don't know if they do, but they, they manage to fit in there a bit, a little bit of holiday, but and they tend to write them out and say they've gone off somewhere, but that's probably more for them to have put their feet up for a little bit. But, I uh, mean, neighbours' characters were always coming over to do panto over here, weren't they? Yeah, you know Joe yeah. Mangle. Yeah, he came yeah. and did did Panto, and I think um, various other ones. Craig uh, McClacken, since he's left, he's had got his own series. Guy Ritchie, of course, he's done. No, uh, Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. Guy Pierce. Sorry, Guy Pierce. he he's um he's done pretty well for himself, and of course yeah. Kylie. Yeah. Jason's um, not done so bad, and he lives over here. And his daughter's in the show now as well. Yes. Um, and um, yeah, but, I mean, but they're still referring to characters like I mean, Mrs. Mangle hasn't been in it since the either late eighties or very early nineties, but she's still referred to. There's still her portrait. Now Jane's back, her, and, and her daughter is in it. They've been referring to Mrs. Mangle a heck of a lot recently, mm. and, and and there must there must be people who who don't. Um, well, I mean, they make it clear who she is. You don't have to have seen it. And um, as I was saying, um, Nick and I, when we were talking, you can't do a series like that and expect um, to have to be explaining it all the time. You have to let the, the new new viewers just have to catch up. Yes, I mean, uh, Harold and Madge, I mean, that went on for a long time, didn't it? And this still well, referred to, yeah. to time to time, particularly Harold well, Bishop. There was that um, there was that thing involving Ned, who's the painter, and he painted lots of characters. And this only happened a couple of uh, two or three week, weeks ago, and, and they just panned across, and there was a, a portrait of Harold in the background that he painted. Um, and because well, Harold still exists. I don't think Harold's been in it since about the thirtieth anniversary, because of oh. course he got washed out to sea, and then he came back, and then Madge oh. died. But then yeah. around the time of the 30th anniversary, she came back as a ghost, well, or he was imagining her. Yes. Um, and, and, of course, both those actors are still alive. And, and um, but, but Howard's not been back in it um, since, but they still have referred to, because I think the character Toadie had supposed to have gone off and visited him recently and they'd gone fishing and ended up on a nudist beach or something ridiculous that's, that's right, yeah. <laughs> no, glad that wasn't on camera that was probably <laughs> that would that would have made um yeah um it does get quite complicated because of the various divorces and switching and um all the rest of it as to who is pe- i mean I, I tend to forget who the children of Therese, for example. And some of them were dead as well. What was her previous husband's name? Yeah, I can't remember, but I know who you mean. Their family trees would be very complicated. Yeah, well, particularly as she's now married into the Robinson family as well. But, yeah, I think the difference between Home and Away and Neighbours is... Neighbours definitely is a little bit sillier and take and goes slightly off OTT sometimes, but that's not not to say that makes it uh, bad. It, it, it's it's 
probably a little bit more fantastical, but I, I'm all for that. So, um. God, you don't, wouldn't want it exactly the same. No. no, they are quite. Yeah, they are quite different. Home and away and neighbours. When you're as I watch them both, that they are that they they don't feel like you're watching because I mean the settings are completely different. Yes. But I mean, I mean one of the reasons I like them is. As you said, it's always, always sunny and home and away is very much outside. Oh. And, and, and uh, the, the thing that happened, of course, this year with Neighbours was that in the, during the COVID thing that, um, that they found a way of working that became uh, a, a, the situation where lots of other TV companies were, had heard that they were, were managing to do this and were asking, how did you do it? How did you do it? So, um, so it's, it was sort of good that Neighbours was leading the way with uh, um, Yes, I was surprised in a way as it is so um, current over here as as well as there that, I, I mean, they do pick up the occasional hand sanitizer and things like that, but but uh, generally it's not referred to at all. Yeah, I think perhaps they, that, particularly with Neighbours, like you feel like that it it is that bit more escapist anyway, but they don't. They, they probably got they probably got hospital dramas which are doing it. The same yeah. as we have over here. So. I mean, Tree Fair Home and Away hasn't really been talking about it either. So, um, so but uh, because I, I listened to a, a podcast called Neighbours, an Australian podcast which I really enjoy, and 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 the, the good thing about them is that they do take the the Mickey out of the show or the the sort of the, it's not so much not in a not in a completely um, supportive way. It, it, it's one of those things, though. When when you you know, if you take one of the characters, or, or if you try to describe all the things that happened, say, to Paul Robinson, it would it just sounds ridiculous in when you talk when you list it all out. Um, and, and I think it's that side of it, the, the 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 things when you put it together about characters coming back from when you thought they were dead and twin sisters and it it, it all sounds ridiculous when you try and describe it, but uh, which makes it perfect fodder for sort of affectionately take, making fun of it or discussing it. So it makes for a good podcast. But uh, yes, you you have to, as you say, suspend belief to a certain extent, and that the, the things repeat themselves. I was quite surprised with the Scarlet. Um, and a Ned plot that they had that when it was so near to Finn and B. They've had a lot of they've had a lot of psychopaths or borderline psychopaths on Neighbours in the last few years. I mean, yes. I, 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 it's a bit like I, I would say it's a bit like um, I know you don't watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but the the, the town in Buffy the Bam, Vampire Slayer is over at this Hellmouth where that's why they have so many bad things happen on on Buffy supposedly. And I I wondered if there was something similar in in Neighbours, but for, but related to psychopaths because uh, yes. they just, there's, there's there was a time when there were they were they were sort of rotating about three different baddies. They were they had, almost they, falling they, over each other. They, yeah. they had the they had Finn who was who lost his memory and had been sort of um, horrible. They had a they had the, um, the 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 Scarlet character who was kind of a, like an obsessive uh, stalker type character, and then they had the 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 twin the twin uh, twin sisters and the characters coming back. It was. Yeah, I, I, I think most of those plots are coming to an end now, so goodness knows what they'll do in 2021, but it's certainly not boring. Um, so, <laughs> but, uh, I don't, How many writers do they have? Do you know? 
I don't I don't know I don't know too much but well, what I do know is that some of the actors um, who some of the actors who played characters have have left the show but come back as directors um, one of them is actually the current producer for like on maternity leave um, and, and it does mean that what, what what they've been quite good at is having people who those people who have gone behind the scenes if they're needed they will just pop up for little cameos so you have characters that have left but they might just pop up for a funeral episode or something which is always the criticism you get with soap operas is that like some Uh so yeah somebody dies somebody dies and nobody none of their relatives turn up for it um and and uh, but no i'm not sure how many writers although again they have had writers on that podcast I listened to, and and, and they, they I, I believe that they're quite, they're just glad they're glad that the fans are enjoying it, and they don't mind. They know it's a bit ridiculous as well, so they don't take it personally. Um, that uh, anyway, well, I just wanted to uh, share with the, the listeners um, why you know we usually talk about old shows, and this is a case where you could say you know, Neighbours is a very old show it's 35 years old but but also it's currently going on and it's I think it's as good as, as it's ever been so um, I do like but then I do like the over the top plots and uh, <laughs> um, but, well anyway thank you very much mum for talking to me we'll have to uh, we'll have to think of something else we both watch <laughs> to Father, ask. Father Brown next oh time. yes yes oh, yes Father Brown yeah. yes that's right the Covenant we both like the Covenant series of Father Brown um but um, yes, uh, and I must tell the listeners that at the time that uh, uh, they did the Paul McGann Doctor Who movie, and you wrote me a review of how you'd enjoy, enjoyed it, all the good good points and bad points. But we'll talk about that another time. <laughs> all right. Bye then. Okay, bye for now. Bye. to Paul and his mum Pat for that lovely article. Indeed. Mm. There's only one thing left to do on this issue already. Yes. So it's me and you looking at Wurzel Gummidge and Saucy Nancy. Good afternoon, Andrew. You had a saucy afternoon, haven't you? Yes. You spent time in the company of Saucy Nancy. Yes, two versions of Saucy Nancy. In fact, I've been in the bath with Saucy Nancy. You have. Haven't I? That's another story, though, isn't it? Well, it it is. So, over Christmas, Mm -hmm. we've had a new Mackenzie Crook Wurzel Gummidge, haven't we? Uh, So, just want to say what you thought about that, first of all. I really liked it. It's, It's... not as slapstick as, as the John Poe version. Yeah. 
it's more gentle and it's it's a really nice family piece it mm. leaves you feeling sort of really happy and and you know we want to spend time with that version of Wurzel, I think. I yeah. think he's a much gentler character. He doesn't sulk as much, and he's he's not as generally aggravating, yeah. which John Pertwee's version of Wurzel can be. But it's interesting. It, it's now a long time since the character of Saucy Nancy was introduced. Because mm-hmm. I, was, I was looking through the magnificent Wurzel book. Yes from Milk Publishing, and there are two radio versions. I hadn't Mm realised there were two. There's one in 1945, Mm -hmm. uh, where Wurzel is played by Philip Wade, uh, Joan Young is Saucy Nancy, and then there's a 1947 one where she reprises the role. Basically, it's the same same story, except except Wurzel regenerates, Mm -hmm. and uh, Wurzel then is Norman Shelley. Okay. So... Just interesting. Within two years, you've got yes. you've got two words or gamages, mm-hmm. but I know it from the book yes. really because I had words or gamage and saucy Nancy. Mm-hmm. I've got the book here. It cost twenty five p when I got it, and the the date on it is well, the original publication date is nineteen forty seven. Yes, uh, the edition I've got is the nineteen seventy two one with illustrations by Diana Stanley, mm-hmm. and that has always influenced what i think of as saucy nancy yes interestingly it says to mabel constanduros with love and gratitude in the yes. in the front and i never knew who that was mm-hmm. but who is that that is the actress that plays um earthy mangold yeah. in the television version from the 1950s yeah of which that's the thing all this early stuff there's no recordings no. it's really frustrating no. when a lot of people when the new version of Wurzel Gummidge was yeah. announced a lot of people said oh it won't be as good as the first original uh, the version original, and, most and of you're them, like which version are you talking about the radio stuff yeah. or the television stuff from the 1950s most of the people won't have seen the original no that's, that's the point so because yeah the John Pertwee version is again another reinterpretation yeah but the, the back the back of the book says Wurzel Gummidge the scarecrow from Scatterbrook Farm goes to the seaside and finds a kindred spirit in saucy nancy the ship's figurehead with a taste for salty sea songs mm-hmm. now um she is literally a carved wooden figure yes and the the description of her is half a lady basically because mm-hmm. she hasn't got any legs no uh, she's got a pointing arm that supposedly yes. always points out to sea to sea yeah now, the description here, um, she had brightly painted rosy cheeks and her face was rather beautiful, though it was chipped in places. Her carved hair was painted a shiny black. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do like this book because it does use the phrase young shaver, yes. which Warren will like. <laughs> it's also got leave me be in it as well, okay. which makes me think of Reuben from Horror oh, right. of Fang, Fang yeah, Rock. Okay. But yeah, she, she's also got a sort of a shawl made out of netting so mm-hmm. it's almost like what the sea devils wear yes but if you were to do saucy nancy the book mm. as the radio show indicates you'd have to do it as a multi-part serial yeah. it's not a single story there are, there are a series of adventures because mm-hmm. you get earthy mangold turning up you do uh, late yes. later on as well mm-hmm. in the john pertwee version she's never you know, she doesn't show herself at all. She no. is vaguely in in one story. Yeah, she's, I think she's sort yeah. of one of the scarecrows in the background, yeah. isn't she? At and, one point. and and in the new version, yeah. she she sort of has one scene basically yes. where she where she packs Wurzel 
Well, she says it's, it's lunch, but yeah. it's mostly a big stone, isn't yes. it? But let's just go through the, the John Pertwee version, because mm-hmm. um, I made some notes on that, and we'll compare that to how the the newer version sort of, mm-hmm. sort of works. And obviously we're looking at this in relation to the de- sad death of Barbara Windsor. Yeah, I mean, this is, this is partially a, a tribute to Bar- the, Barbara Windsor during, during this. Uh, but we're talking the 6th of January, 1980. Mm-hmm. And it's the start of season two of Wurzel Gummies. Okay. Now, I just I just like some of the notes here that that the Milk Book tells us. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a bus full of old age pensioners, <laughs> in, isn't there? And they're they're going to go on a, a trip to the seaside. But the uh, production assistant describes the old age pensioners as naughty, and they kept wandering off and doing things they shouldn't. I wonder what. <laughs> yes, I do. I do wonder about that. Well, I do wonder if we shouldn't actually find out what. Mm. This one really dials down John and Sue's involvement. They're yes. at the start and at the end, but yeah. they don't actually get to go no. on the on the no. thing. And this is all to do with like children's working days and hours and yeah. stuff. So they sort of they fudged it a bit in mm-hmm. the new version. Of course, John and Sue are yeah. are, are the focus characters along with Wurzel and Saucy Nancy. So, yes. Yeah. But here the kids are staying at home and the, the grown-ups are going to the seaside. Gummidge is not on his pole, is he? He's uh, No. He, he's found no. a, a poster for the mm-hmm. old folks outing and he's left all his clothes behind. Yeah, he's, he's some, somehow got a um, like a striped jacket and a sort of boat, a straw boater from somewhere. It's, it's never explained where he gets yeah. the clothes from. He, he's sort of almost dressed as a deck chair, isn't he? Yeah. He's got really loud stripes. Yeah. Uh, he's got his bucket and spade and he's mm-hmm. excited about, about going to the seesaw mm-hmm. it, it's never actually um described what the place is in the book it's seashell and mm-hmm. in the new version it's seashell yeah because because that i noticed that in the first episode it was on a road sign and i thought mm-hmm. hello mackenzie crook you know sort of knows his stuff yeah, he's doesn't looking he? ahead yeah yeah but yeah when we when we get there i think it really shows up how how much this pertwee version does need the film negatives oh, to be to be up. dealt with yeah, don't they? Yeah, they look terribly murky. Yeah, because we say about Barbara Windsor being in this, mm-hmm. and linking up with our first article. Yes, uh, she's in the James Hill Sherlock Holmes film, A Study in Terror. Yes. So who's she playing in that? She plays Annie Chapman. You said. Yeah. 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 She's completely the wrong age to play Annie Chapman because Annie Chapman was a good 10, 15 years older than Barbara Windsor. Yeah. Um and. Obviously not probably quite so good looking, having drunk too much gin. <laughs> but I just, I just like the fact that we started with Sherlock Holmes and Barbara Windsor and Wurzel Gummidge give mm. us a Sherlock Holmes. A different Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> yeah, a different Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. But, it, but it's just fascinating how that works. Mm-hmm. She's on wheels, isn't she? Yes. Yeah, which is a sort of rig made by the, the effects sort of people and it's worked by remote control. Mm-hmm. Though apparently the, the Coast Guard set her off. <laughs> Because it, it would it would pick up um, stray signals from the coast guard yeah. and she she'd go shooting off down the well, down the road or there something. Is that scene and I wonder if that scene where she's talking about she's hurtling down the hill is filmed yeah. in um, Limington again. All oh, right. Because it looks a bit like that sort of steepish hill in Limington, which they use in um, one of the other stories. Yeah. And yeah, I wonder how much she actually did because you you get shots of her face and she's bobbing along. Yeah. But then you get long shots, which is obviously a dummy. Yeah, because Limington, the filming for that is for the Christmas special, yes. isn't it? Cup of tea, yeah. cup of tea and a slice of cake. Yeah, they're, they're filming in in Devon. 
Mm-hmm. for this and apparently the hotels weren't very good okay i mean it probably is filmed in devon but, yeah because uh, you wouldn't go to limington just to film one scene i would assume no, so. no. but um we'll, we'll talk about where it actually is in sort of in in terms of the, the story as well because mm-hmm. it, it takes some hours to get there on the bus gummage is in the back of the cut it back of the bus isn't mm-hmm. it? he asks a, a farmer whether mm-hmm. it's lunchtime he says it's half past Nine. Nine. And by the time they get to the seaside... It's it, nearly it, lunchtime. It's, it is nearly lunchtime. Yeah. So he's been in there several hours. Um, mm-hmm. In the new version, it's it's a few miles away, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. I mean, they do go on a bus. Yes. Yeah. Well, it makes it easier in story terms in the new version because it needs to be close enough for Saucy Nancy to hear her ship. Yeah. We should, should point out that the prop version of Barbara Windsor is made by Alistair Boto, who, okay. who made Cybermen right. and Emu, okay. linking us back. To the last issue. To last time. Okay. So I, I, just li- I just like that. It's a, yeah. You know, we, we, everything really does join up when, you, does. when you do enough stuff. Okay. It's Brixham, actually, right. um, in, mm-hmm. in Devon. Mm-hmm. Though the, the bus mm. is, a, is a bit more local to Southern it TV, is, yes. isn't it? Because it, it's it's a um, what is it a Buddens bus, U O R six one O H, and there's two phone numbers on there: Romsey five one five two six O and Downton two o two eight two. You said that's too short a number. Yeah. And I had to point out to you that in the olden days, I had a three-figure phone number. Yeah. In the olden days, in the late seventies. Yeah. Yeah. Not that long ago. Well, forty odd years ago. But, yeah. So. But uh, I was saying about Wurzel's bucket and spade. Did you take a bucket and spade when you went to the seaside? Um, I think I, I think we usually bought a bucket and spade when we got there. Yeah. Okay. Didn't take one with us because they never lasted beyond the holiday. Yeah. So, yeah. I remember having a castle-shaped bucket and spade at Bournemouth. All right. Okay. And, and making satin castles. Yeah, because we had a village outing mm-hmm. once every August to mm. Weymouth, basically. Yeah. And it did seem to take a long time to get there. It was it was quite a long journey. It's probably because the buses they use are old and clapped out. Mm. But yeah, but but Gummidge scoffs all the food yes. in the back of the back of the bus. Yeah. I do wonder how his, his digestive system actually works well, in real life. Because later on, he says about the humbugs yeah, that he's got are still in his stomach. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say I don't think he's got a digestive system as such. I just think it just sits there. He just sort of guts them, and they. Because yeah. yeah. I I know in the newer version. Um, there's a scene in the second one from last year, The Green Man, yeah. where he's having um, tea yeah. with uh, Mrs. Bloomsbury Barton. And it all spills and it all, out. it all leaks out. Yeah. So, yeah. Apparently, um, all the pensioners are going to get half an ounce of tobacco each. Yes. Yeah. 25 grams. Yeah. The book version mm-hmm. shows it's from a really sort of different period because John is able to go into the local shop and just buy tobacco, no questions asked, mm-hmm. for, for Saucy Nancy to chew, basically. <laughs> yeah, there's boiled sweets and fruit if you uh, if you don't want tobacco. Yes. But yeah, they find all the food's gone and Gummidge blames it on seagulls, doesn't yes. he? Yeah. Then he comes across a bloke with an, with an eye patch and a peg leg, doesn't mm-hmm. he? <laughs> As he says. Um, yeah, because he, he's... he's well, it's it's a it's a model of the gold. It's not a model, is it? It's a sort of replica well, it's, 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 of the it's, golden hind. No, it's the saucy Nancy. Yeah, he says, "Welcome aboard the saucy." Yeah, Nancy. but in real life, it, it's it's the golden hind, which is still at yeah, at whatever Devon. it is. Yeah, yeah. 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 Or or a copy. Of There's it, a yeah. nice sly line about a telephone box as well yes. for Pertwee's benefit, <laughs> and it's ten p to go on board. Yeah. Wow. Mm. 
Is he overcharging, do you think? I don't know. He's got a parrot. How, how good an actor do you think his parrot is? It's okay. I'm it's not sure okay. it makes the noises himself. Yeah. But. but yeah, so he goes off to lunch and then, then we, we, we see Barbara. Or she's, I don't know how they've done it because she's sort no. of leaning forward on yeah, the front they, of the ship. They've obviously sort of just got her to sort of stand in front of the ship. It's just to do with angles, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's the same way now. They can film people with a screen in between them and you can't see it. So. Yeah. But it's implied that the crow man taught her to speak, isn't it? As yes, because well. yeah. it says that she, she says she was going to be a scarecrow. Yeah, because, so. again, in the in the book, she's on dry land and she's sort of pining to go back to the sea. I mm. mean, there, there is a scene where they put her in the bath at one point and sluice her with salty water. <laughs> she's still got her arms sticking up, though, so that's, that's the thing. <laughs> Um, in the new version, I did like the the bit where Gummidge breaks through the wire fence mm. in the shape of him with his arms outstretched. Yes, because yeah. yeah, in the books that's how he walks all the time. But mm-hmm. I, I just I only got it on the second viewing. Yeah. That was a sort of nod to it. Mm-hmm. So Wurzel and Saucy Nancy go for a walk and a roll along the yeah. the seafront. Mm-hmm. Uh, front. Yeah, um, could she, she does flash her wheels. She does, and he, yeah. he's terribly overexcited at that, isn't <laughs> he? Like, <laughs> he, has, he has a bit of a funny turn. Um, so there's, there's meanwhile, Aunt, Aunt Sally is with a sort of fair, isn't isn't yes. she? I should have left her there. Yeah, Gummidge thinks she was going to America or yeah. something. Uh, I like that. That's a reference to the books as yes. well, America, because Earthy Mangold was going to walk to America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was sort of walking, and the the sea was slowly going out. And eventually, <laughs> she got some way out and saw some lights and okay. thought it was America. Right. But then the sea changed its mind and came back. So, right. yeah. Because ultimately, in the book, um, Saucy Nancy ends up on an island with her finger pointing out to sea, mm-hmm. and they they put a lantern on her to warn the ships off the dangerous rocks. Okay. Um, that's a nice ending to her story. Mm-hmm. But for the new version. It's implied that this is sometime after because they already know each other. That's yes. the thing. It works quite well in continuity. Yeah. In some ways, the the Pertwee version is is the odd one out in in the yeah, terms of the continuity. They just use the characters. They don't yeah. use any of the story. Really. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. The, the new version allows you to have the other saucy Nancy adventures mm-hmm. that are in the books. Yeah. We've said about people playing saucy Nancy, but. Mm-hmm. Technically, John Pertwee has as well, and Jessica yes. Martin for yes. the for the audio book version, because yeah. yeah. there is Wurzel Gummidge takes a holiday, mm-hmm. which was the really hard one to track down. But yeah. thankfully, uh, Jessica's done a reading of it, mm-hmm. and in that version, uh, Saucy Nancy is very much in charge of Aunt Sally. Aunt oh, Sally's sort of is is, is, of is crew basically yeah. on her barge. Mm-hmm. In this version, it in the Pertwee version, it's a much more sort of competitive. Yes. You know, combative, competitive uh, relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other places Saucy Nancy has been include Iceland, Denmark, and Portsmouth. So mm-hmm. she's been all over. That just makes me think of like New York, Paris, Peckham. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but yeah, the, the the circus people have got Aunt Sally, and uh, she she's going to get repainted, mm-hmm. or, or or going to. Mm-hmm. Gummidge and Saucy Nancy go go off to find some seafood, basically, yes. don't they? Cockles, winkles, and and whelks, isn't it? Yes. You know, there's, there's room for comedy in all of those. <laughs> so who's serving the the cockles then? It's uh, Roy Evans. Who's speaking though? Jeffrey Bowden. Yeah, Roy's been overdubbed. It's is not it? terribly well dubbed. 
aren't you allowed to be Welsh if you're at the seaside? Obviously not, no. no. <laughs> no. But yeah, I, I don't know who dubbed it, but the the mouth and the voice don't quite... Well, you do know who dubbed it. Well, Jeffrey Bowden, but who, did, who actually who did actually the did, no, did the I mean, edit? Who did the edit? Yeah. Yes. Oh, it'll be Sorry. on. It'll be I on the. It'll be on the credits. Yes, it's it's it could could have been better. Yeah. Um, they tried to play with this pay with a Spanish doubloon. Yes. You would have thought he might be quite happy to take, given that it's gold. gold yeah. No, it and does. It does look like a bit like a chocolate coin well, you'd get yeah. on your tree, but hey. Hmm. So we get to the first chase scene. <sighs> I, I couldn't almost see what happened, but sort of Gummidge takes a, a bite of some Winkles takes or something, something yeah. I didn't and, and they say, run off. Well, run um, and roll. Aunt Sally's legs are sticking out of a, a laundry basket, yeah. isn't it? So they, I like the way he recognises her legs. Mm-hmm. The OAPs have gone off to the lobster pot, which is a sort of cafe, I suppose. Mm-hmm. In a nod to Mike Berry's supposed drinking, Mm-hmm. Um, he wants to go to the Goat and Compasses. Mm-hmm. Given that he's the bus driver, that could idea. have ended very badly, couldn't yeah. it? Well, he does say earlier on that he's going to be in charge of the of the boxes of beer. Yeah, you're like, is that a good idea yeah. when you're driving a coach full of people? Yeah, Aunt Sally claims she was floating to Egypt. Yes, where well, she's going to marry a prince. Don't know about that. Yeah, she was fished out with a boat hook, wasn't she? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then then Wurzel's recognised. You get what I call OAP chase oh. scene. Yeah, number one. <laughs> Though you get various groups all sort of aiming for them, don't mm-hmm. they? And they they sort of meet in the middle at a sort of crossroadsy bit. And yeah. I I just wrote, how did they get away? Yeah, because you've got one lot running from sort of down the street, yeah. and another lot running up the street, yeah. and a third lot running from somewhere else, some other angle. And then you would just cut, and they've escaped. Yeah. I don't understand that. I like the thing about Aunt Sally won't speak to Saucy Nancy because polite society needs her to be introduced. Yes. I sometimes use that. If I, I used to be in the high street <laughs> and people would sort of want me to do a survey and I'd raise my hat and say, I'm sorry, we haven't been introduced and walk quickly <laughs> on. And it always used to confuse the hell out of them because... <laughs> you know, obviously, polite society isn't very common around here. But yeah, no. uh, Saucy Nancy claims that her face has been handed down from the Vikings. Yes, I don't know quite how that works. No. Yeah, and there's lines about piece of driftwood as well, mm-hmm. which is uh, what she thinks uh, Aunt Sally looks like. So that they have a sort of fight over Wurzel, basically, don't mm-hmm. they? Because you say Aunt Sally doesn't really like Wurzel, no. but then she's jealous. Is of she? Is she else? sort of jealous? Uh, yeah, I think she is. She's possessive. Yeah. I, I think. She doesn't necessarily want to marry him, but mm. she doesn't want anybody else to have him no. either. She likes the attention. Yeah, it's a completely selfish reaction. His arm basically gets pulled off. Yeah. I don't know. He gets it back on again because he's yeah. on again at some point, yeah. isn't it? Uh, Saucy Nancy is pushed downhill and in, into the sea, mm-hmm. and then she sort of fished out and she goes back, mm. goes back to the ship. Aunt Sally ends up on a park bench. Well, not a park bench, but a bench. A bench in, yeah. on the seafront. Uh, they've got some sticks of rock as well, haven't they? Which uh, yeah, were for the children. Which are supposedly for the children, but they're in the back. They end up in the back of the bus with Aunt Sally and Wurzel, and of course mm-hmm. they don't last long. I like the thing about trying to get the old the old lady back oh, on yeah. the bus and she's uh, stuck and, in the doorway. Yeah, she's stuck, and and a winkle pin up the um comes in useful, doesn't yes. it? Yes. So the back home, John mm-hmm. and Susan are like, what are they doing? They're in a Bit of a pond, are they? looking for tadpoles. Oh, maybe. I was going to say they're shrimping, but they won't be shrimping, would yeah, they? Yeah, not there. Mm, tadpoles, probably. 
And Mike Berry wants to go after the coach and horses now, doesn't yes. he? Because he's missed out on his beer all yeah. day. <laughs> and yeah, all the sticks of rock have been eaten. Mm-hmm. Well, two, all two. Well, you would have got more than two sticks of rock, wouldn't yeah. you? I still got some rock in the cupboard. Yeah, that's uh, probably not I, good now. I should have a suck on it, but yeah, it's probably. Well, I don't know. It's sugar. It should last, shouldn't it? Yeah, it might have gone funny. <laughs> it's gone fausty. Yeah. yeah, probably gone all soft. <laughs> Yeah, and the only question remaining is which way does Wurzel Wiz- fall, and it's backwards. No, it's not. It's forwards. forwards. It's forwards. forwards. <laughs> I said it was going to be yes. backwards, and then it was forwards. It was forwards. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it, you're you're right. It is. It is. There is a lot of slapstick in this one. Yeah. Uh, much less than there is either in the book mm-hmm. or in the or in the newer version. Yeah. And it's very much horses for courses. I think it's quite nice in that you've got these, you know, three or four available versions. Mm-hmm. Um, you've, you've got the book, you've got the audio version, you've got the new version, you've got you've got Pertwee. So th- it depends what mood you're in, which yeah. one you, you, you're you going to watch. Yeah. I, I certainly sort of, you know, have to give them credit on, on the new versions for mm-hmm. taking... I noticed how they took their time with this episode. Yeah. Yeah. The pacing was was very gentle. I thought was. there was, there was there was very little jeopardy no. or, or anything like that. It was just a nice journey, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. I I just I like it the new version because the char- the characters there isn't a character in it who isn't yeah. somebody you'd want to spend time with. Yeah. So you know I mean Wurzel as I say this version of Wurzel is much more gentle and he's he's a much nicer person to spend time with because obviously in the book and in the the poetry version he sulks yeah whereas in this he only sulks if a human near comes near him and it's it's an instinctive reaction he can't stop himself but it's yeah it's it's just it's nice it's it's it sort of makes you feel all warm and fuzzy i think that's what it is yeah yeah, yeah. but we should probably say as well a little about about the way Barbara Windsor plays the character. Yes, all right, yes, yeah. Because um, obviously she doesn't... She, she, she's not quite as uh, cockney as she is in some things. No. It's a bit softer, but it's not. she's not trying to do any kind of accent. Yeah. She's recognisable as Barbara Windsor. And yeah, I, I think she does it pretty well. Yeah. I mean, I like her outfit because I've not really thought about how much it looks like it's been carved. Mm. You know, it's got sort of whirls which look like sort of knots and things on it. So, I mean, obviously she doesn't look anything like the uh, pictures in the book. But yeah. they, they, I have to say, they do look rather manly. Yeah. <laughs> they don't match up with the description inside, necessarily. No. Um, and in the new version, Shirley Henderson, has, for some reason she's got a lamb. There's no explanation why she's yeah, a lamb. Yeah, I, I don't know where these... Lamb stroke pig, as she calls but it. But it's it's quite sweet, <laughs> and she she's got a few salty uh, expletives. I, I know Mackenzie Crook said that he had to be careful when he wrote them because some of them did actually sound a bit too. And he's like, oh no, perhaps we better not use that one. None of them are actually swear words, no. but they're all headed. That well, way. you don't know because there's a bit where a tractor goes past yes. and she's drowned out. So yeah. I'm just interested to know uh, know know what was in the script for that because yeah. she's clearly having to say something. Yes. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I I certainly enjoyed comparing them as well. Yeah. I, I think it's sort of instructive that the way you can take those characters and do completely different things with mm-hmm. them, and they both work in their own way. I do. Yeah, I, do. Uh, I mean the, the John Pertwee version is, you know, for many it is the definitive version, but it's 
and it's interesting to watch mm. and and John Pertwee is always good and all of the other characters but I think out of but the it, two versions I prefer the newer yeah. version that, that, that's the thing if, if you only know the John Pertwee version yeah. I don't think you're getting the full sort of broad spectrum no of, of of approaches that that work for these characters yeah. and and I, I just find that fascinating that you can do it in, in three completely different ways yeah. and that they're all, they're all good yeah I mean again these characters are like Shakespeare characters mm. in that you can reinvent them yeah. for whenever you're writing for them and they still work yeah because if, if you there's some central things here about sort of sort of magic and humor and, yeah. and things like that, but mm -hmm. the spin you put on them can be very very different. Yeah. And then yes, yeah, so don't fix. I'd say the lesson here is don't fixate on, on one there being only one way to do things. Sometimes, no. as as you know, as the years go on, these characters do adapt, mm -hmm. and I think I think that's the true test of real proper characters yeah. Yeah. that. They, they're not just fixated in one time no. period. Because we did wonder when they, we found out they were bringing it back whether it would work in the modern yeah. day. But it really does. But this is, yeah, this is the thing. 1940s, mm. 1980s, mm -hmm. 2020s. Yeah. So it's every... Yeah, that, yeah. That's, that, that's quite instructive, I think. That's, yeah. That, there's a good lesson there to be, to be had. That mm -hmm. you, you look back and you look forward... And 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 one at some point in the future, there will be another. Yeah. There will be another incarnation of Wurzel yes. Gummidge. It will be totally different. Yes. Hopefully, uh, not the one in New York City. <laughs> yeah, there are ways you can't do this yes. as well. That, that, that's true as well. But there you go. So I enjoyed doing that. So yeah. thank you much. Thank you much for that, Lisa. No problem. Thank you. So thank you to everyone for this uh, listening to this episode. Possibly yes. a bit shorter. I'm not sure yet. Mm -hmm. But uh, and. Uh, Thank you for joining us. We'll be back again in February. Yes. With I don't know what yet. No. It's, it's going to be a mystery. It is. So we shall see you all again. So bye-bye. Bye. Thanks very much. was episode 56 of Around the Archives. Starring Lisa Parker, Andrew Trowbridge, Martin Holmes, Warren Cummings, Paul Chandler and Pat Chandler. On the musical side, you heard Dan Tate and Paul Chandler. The script for Wurzel and the Saucy Nancy was by Keith Waterhouse and Willis Hall. And the producer was James Hill. <laughs>